Welcome to the Happy to Be Me podcast. I'm your host, Barbara Stacy. Come on a journey with me to find out what it means to be happy to be you. Welcome, everyone. It's lovely to be with you again. Um, Last week, we talked about the power of believing new things. And I want to build on last week's podcast with a guest. This is my very first guest on my podcast. And I'm super excited to introduce you to my friend and fellow coach, Teresa Dobson. She is an avid explorer of all things having to do with mindset, human thought, and happiness. And we've connected over the last couple of years over our shared love of exploring how thoughts create your reality. So I'd like to introduce you to Teresa. Hello, Teresa. Hey, Barb. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so excited to be on here. I got to tell you how much I love your podcast. Your, oh, well, thank voice, you. your voice is so soothing. My kids joke with me that I have my regular voice and then I have my phone voice, you know, <laughs> and, and, and so when I hear your podcast, I hear a little of your phone voice and it's so soothing. It's very nice to listen to. So I've been enjoying it. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Do you want to tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Oh, geez. Uh, yeah, like, um, well, you know, like you said, you and I met a couple years ago and we do share the common interest in all things to do with, you know, what makes people tick, what makes people happy, sad, all those kind of things. Um, I am a, I guess you could call midlifer, um, you know, and have seen a few things. I have three kids and now four grandkids. Um, I live in cold Connecticut and I do coaching, um, and kind of a part-time thing. And in my full-time world, I am in, spent my life in sales, which is basically just all people, 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 and people. So that's what I'm kind of about. Awesome. So I, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about our shared love of coaching We've had lots of coaching conversations back and forth, and you've helped me, I've helped you see things in a new light. And I want to know how have these coaching conversations or coaching conversations you've had with anyone else helped you see your thoughts or your stories or your beliefs in a new light? Oh, uh, coaching has changed the way I think and see and process um, a lot in life. And I love, you know, we hear a lot now, it's kind of almost a buzzword, like change your story, you know, but I really like that because when we start really paying attention to the fact that we are all creating stories, um, we can get some ownership and control of our life. And so I was thinking about like the word stories. And do you remember when you were in grammar school, like the first story you had to write? Really, a story is just a string of thoughts put together, right? It's just a string of sentences, which are just thoughts that are all put together and they make a story. And the Mm -hmm. teacher would say, okay, you can make it fact or you could make it fiction. 
and you have to include nouns, which are people, places, and things, and you have to have action, and you have to have descriptions like emotion and make it come to life, you know? And if you think about it, that's really what we're doing all the time. We are just looking at our life and what's going on, and we are either naming it fact or fiction, and we are picking out certain facts, you and I could be in the same situation and we could give you, I could give you five facts about what happened and you could give me five different facts. So we see things differently, even though we could agree on some facts, everybody is picking out whatever they want to pick out, right? And then they're taking those facts and then they're adding their own emotions and their own adjectives to it and they're adding their own people and they're creating this kind of story. And it's all so subconscious and just so natural. Um, and the problem comes is when we just get into doing this without really thinking about what we're doing and the story that we're in. And then we become really unhappy or something's not working and we go like, what's wrong? Um, and then we, you know, we get like, we, we think we're stuck. We don't know what to do. So for me, stories has helped me to realize that if I see life like a story, it's just a string of thoughts that I'm having, a string of emotions, a string of circumstances, a string of people, I can break it down and I can look at all the pieces separately and then I can realize how they're interacting and then I go, oh, well, I could change a thought, I could change an action, I can change a person in or out of my life and then the whole story changes. And that's how change comes about is then when we just start playing with those pieces. So I don't know if that makes sense, but to me, it just gave me a lot more control over my life when I could start seeing the pieces of the stories that we create and how we are the author or co-author. I believe there is a higher power that helps us create these stories, but if we're the co-author of these stories, then we can start having more control over our life. And it's definitely given me more control and um, both to get out of things that made me unhappy and to create things that I wanted to have in my life. Yeah. So I don't know if that was long-winded, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think back about some of the early conversations that we had where we would trade coaching with each other. And some of the times when you would call me out on my stories, you didn't believe my stories. And I held fast to those stories. I wanted to keep that thought and you would, you'd question it in a gentle way. And it got me thinking about, okay, so she's seeing things differently than I am. Maybe I need to look at how she's looking at it. I called you my truth teller because there's mm -hmm. so many times when I would just have, I'd go off on this flight of fancy and you'd bring me back down and say, but what about, and I'd be, oh, okay. All right. And you'd bring me back to where I felt grounded and could, could really feel the, the power of you questioning my stories that I really wanted to hang on to. And it helped well, me to shed a light on them and how, how they weren't doing what I wanted in my life. So it's the same kind of thing that you're talking about. Yeah. And I gotta, I gotta give you kudos for that. And first of all, I, I have a hard time believing I'm gentle because that's never a word people use with me, but uh, that's all fine. Um, so I think it takes a lot of bravery 
to let somebody question you. We live in a world where people are so defensive and so dogmatic in their thoughts and beliefs that, you know, if you question them, that immediately the defenses come up, right? And we get, we want to hang on to our thoughts and hang on to our beliefs, even when they don't work. Well, sure, because um, none of us want to be wrong, right? <laughs> right. But the, the irony is, is that um, if we could just put down our defenses to recognize that questioning, when we open ourselves up and let somebody question us, they're really saying, I want to know you more. I want to understand you more, you know? Yeah. Um, and And I think people hear something completely different and it takes a lot of bravery to, you know, say, Hey, is it possible, you know, that you could see it this way or that way. And listen, if I ever called you out on something that I didn't buy into, it really didn't mean you were right. And I was wrong because it wasn't about you being right or wrong. It was just like you said, I was seeing it differently. And I was just saying, Oh, I see it this way. Is it possible that that way of seeing it could benefit you? And if it does fabulous. Right. When we're we're talking about questioning, what has changed for you when you've questioned your stories and assumptions? Well, like I said, I think the, the whole thing about coaching for me in my training, a lot of what I learned is about what they call inquiry, which is questioning. And Mm -hmm. as soon as you start questioning, basically what you're saying is I'm willing to start changing it opens up space, a a question. Think about it. If I ask you a question, what time is it, right? There's a natural space there Mm -hmm. versus when I say it's nine o'clock. Yes. End of story. There's no space, right? It's a, it's a end of a sentence period. A question leaves space for change, right? So when I started questioning things, I started allowing for space for other new ideas to come in, new mindsets to come in, all kinds of different things could come in. So for me, just the process of questioning things allowed a space and that felt good. Yeah. And you can then in that space, allow yourself to be wrong or allow someone else to be wrong and not make it mean anything. I kind of think of it like this a statement or like if you get fixed on a thought or a belief, right? It's sort of it'd be like a black and white. This is my thought. It's kind of black, right? Black or right. white. Um, and that's all fine. It's good to have some of those beliefs and thoughts that are black and white, but it's even better to have technicolor, right? And questions add the color. They add, they, they open up the space. And if you think of like a drawing, you need both borders and free space, right? And so questioning just, if you start questioning in your life, instead of having to have know it all and have all the facts, you will find life just gets so much more interesting. Yeah. So when, as you've questioned, what is the belief that you think has changed the most for you as you've done the work? Well, That's an interesting one. It took me a while to think about that. And I can't say so many beliefs have changed. The most important thing is that I I question my beliefs more now. I question my thoughts more. I pay attention to them more. Um, I don't always change them, but I just 
I notice my thoughts more. I'm more um, observant of them. I say, gee, I wonder why I believe that or why am I thinking that or why am I feeling that? So I'm much more aware, number one. Number two, I will give you some major kudos for this. I'm much kinder with the way I talk to myself when I have certain thoughts now. Um, I think that's pretty important. But I would say the belief that has changed the most for me, and it's really going to kind of take us full circle right back to what your podcast is all about, is my belief in what happiness is. Hmm. I used to believe, like a lot of people, and it wasn't even a conscious, probably if you said, what do you believe? I, I don't even know if I could have said it, but I was my actions were, were speaking it, right? Mm-hmm. You can find out a lot about what people believe by what they do, right? They're doing it and acting in a certain way. Sort of, is it sort of the symptom or the, you know, the tr- drawback to what they really believe? So right. what I used to believe was, you know, like everybody, oh, if I get the right house and the right car and the right job and make enough money and have a wonderful mate and, and I do this and I do that and I have fun, all those things are going to make me happy. All of my happiness was going to come from achieving all of these things. So in essence, my happiness was always outside, right? Even though I kind of knew, yeah, I could feel happy inside. You know, I would hear that, but I was like, yeah, but it was that, yeah, but you still need all that other stuff, you know? Right. And now I see happiness very differently. Um, I kind of have two schools of thought with the with the happiness thing I just recently heard an amazing analogy and I think this kind of sums it up for me if you build a sand castle out of sand and the rain comes and washes the sand castle down or the wind blows the sand castle down you don't lose the sand you just lose the castle so I don't think you could ever lose happiness. Happiness is always there. It's always accessible. We can build it and make a little pile from our work, right? We can take a little bit of what makes pleasure for us in work, and that will help build our sandcastle. We can take a little from our family and build a little from that, right? And we can create the sandcastle of happiness, so to speak. But we all know, we've seen people that have built this beautiful castle and then all of a sudden the wind comes, blows it all away and they think, oh my God, life is over, I'll never be happy again. They thought they lost happiness forever. They lost their job, which they had all their happiness in, now they can never be happy again. They lost their family, their health, you name it, whatever it is. But they never lost it. It just got spread out and they just have to go find it again. They just gotta find the grains of sand, build their little sand castle again. It's never gone. It's always accessible. It's a great analogy. And you're talking about the wind. We spent this last Saturday cleaning up after the tornadoes that came through the town where my husband teaches school. And just the devastation was absolutely incredible. And I saw all of these people helping each other blessing each other's lives. We were helping a family who had been in their house. It's probably, I'd guess, 1500 square foot house. And they were in the hallway when the tornado came through and ripped off half of their roof. Mm. And I was talking to the man and he was saying, God is good. We're all safe. God is good. And it was just incredible to see how 
these people handled this absolute devastation, this entire neighborhood. There were three houses that were completely destroyed. And I saw people smiling, hugging each other, because the thing that really mattered to them wasn't the house. It wasn't, it was where they were together. They were helping each other. They were loving on each other. It was, it was absolutely incredible. The, the sand is always there. The sand is always there. there. Yeah. And then, and then it comes down to the second, like, understanding I have of happiness that sort of really hits for me. And we've talked about this before is, you know, Victor Frankl, you know, man's search for meaning. And he says, the last of the human freedoms that you have is your freedom to choose your attitude, right? Which is basically yeah. your thoughts. Right. And for me, that goes down to you, you're changing your thoughts and your focus, right? So that those people that were standing in the hallway were focused on the fact that they had a hallway protecting them. They weren't focused on what they lost all around them. They found one grain of sand. They didn't need the whole castle. They they just stood on the grain of sand that was there, right? Mm -hmm. And that's like Viktor Frankl. He, even in the worst of situations, he said, well, at least I'm not dead. You know, yeah. he was tortured and beaten, but he lost his family, but he was alive. And he, you can always find a grain of sand. Always. You can always find a well, and thought. As long as you have a breath left in you yeah. and a mind that's coherent and, you know, you can always find something, even if it's just the simple thing as I'm not dead. Yeah. You know? And it's a beautiful thing that we can choose our response to any situation. And sometimes we do want to choose to cry over the situation when we, when we went, we've, we've gone for two weeks. And the first time I cried with the people who had lost their livelihood. And this time we, we I wouldn't say we rejoiced with them, but we just worked hard beside them. And it just, just felt some solidarity with these people who had lost everything and were still pushing forward. And they chose the response was to, okay, let's clean up. Let's see how we can make this work. Let's see what we can do to put things back together because, you know, we're, yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah. And you don't have to be happy all the time. There are going to no. be times you're going to choose to not that, that the, the feeling or the, you know, what you're focusing on is not building the happy sandcastle, right? I right. call it the happy castle, right? Like we spend so much time trying to create this beautiful, happy sandcastle, uh, like this state of happiness. And there are times where, you know what, it's not time for that. It's not time to, you know, it's time to feel some of the other human emotions, you know, it's yeah. nice to be happy. It's nice, but it's, it's also nice to be sad because then you will appreciate happy when you get it. And, yeah. you know, grief and all the other, it's nice to be fully human, you know? Right. So my belief that, you know, happiness is the be all end all has changed as well mm. as how happiness, you know, what happiness is, where happiness is, has changed. So, you know, the short answer to your question, what is the biggest change that I've had with all this is my whole thought process around happiness, you know, now, what yeah. it is, how you get it, how you lose it, you know, how important it is and not important. All of those things have drastically changed. Um, and I have seen that change in you over time, because when we first started, both of us had a different viewpoint. And as we started actually examining our thoughts together, both of our mindsets have shifted. 
And I think both of us have a, a more calm understanding of how our thoughts really do make a difference in what we do, how we feel and what comes up in our lives. I've seen that, you know, when we first started coaching, you were focused on the external. And as we've, as you've moved through the whole process and as I've moved through the whole processes, I've seen your focus change from external to internal, like almost completely solely. It's, it's been pretty amazing watching that. Well, thanks, but I have to tell you, there are still times that I still, you know, fall into the, the, you know, getting caught up in, you know, seek, thinking I'm going to get happiness from something external, right? Oh, you know? sure. That's why I get on Amazon, right? <laughs> that That's the society, that's the world, that's the culture, that's, listen, we've been programmed that way, you know? Mm -hmm. So we've been programmed to think, you know, all of our happiness is going to come from these things. And yeah. even if it's just, uh, I'll be happy if I continue to believe a certain thought, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I definitely fall into that sometimes. Oh, sure. We all do. I mean, that's the reason that I go on diets. That's the reason that I get on Amazon. That's the reason that I think, well, maybe I should get this or that, or, you know, because I think that it's somehow going to make me happy. But most of the time I just see you interacting, especially with your family members in ways that are so positive and productive. It's really impressive to watch from my side of it. It's probably just, you're just there doing what you do, but I'm, I'm pretty impressed with how you've dealt with some of your pretty sticky issues. So let me throw it back at you. How has coaching, you know, this coaching process, both being a coach and being coached, because you've put yourself in both places, which I think is really valuable because you learn different things in different roles, you know? How has coaching, you know, really helped you to change your stories? I think it's made all the difference, all the difference, because I do tend to hold on to my stories. And when I am being coached, I'm really grateful for a coach who doesn't believe my stories and who mm. questions me on them. Mm. And then I get to take a look at them and say, oh, I see you're right. Every time I'm coached, I, I go in as a coach expecting that the conversation will turn a certain way. And every single time it turns a different way. And I see things that I never could have seen on my own. I do my own self-coaching, but it's so valuable for me to have somebody else shine a mirror on what I'm saying and what I'm thinking and really have me take a look at what's really there and not what I think is there. It's really, it's fascinating. It's been absolutely wonderful. I went through a difficult time at work. And if I had not had coaching, I don't think I'd have a job right now because I would not have advocated for myself in the way that I did. I stood up and I said, you know what? You cannot treat me this way. This is what we're going to do. And I've, I've made quite a big splash for good or ill in my organization through that. And I don't, I would not have done that before. I would have just let things happen instead of advocating for myself and being assertive and, you know, really sitting up and saying, you can't treat me like this. So, yeah, I think mostly it's that I'm, I look at the way that I'm thinking differently because especially when someone else shines a light on it, Mm -hmm. 
And it's like, oh, I didn't see that. And I love that. I love that other people can take a look at my thoughts and go, are you sure that's really what happened? That's just a story. All of my thoughts are just stories. And I, yeah, because I've been able to look through them. Bunch of thoughts strung together, making a story. Yeah. Yeah. And I love um, Byron Katie, another one of my favorite um, authors. And I often think about what she says is, you know, is that true? It's a simple, short little question, but it's so powerful, right? Is that true? You know, you could say, you know, so-and-so, you know, was such a jerk and they did this and they did that. And then, you know, if, you know, you just say, well, is that true? And, you know, it depends where you're coming from, but if you want to stay in that place of labeling people, you know, a jerk or this or that, and you ask, is it true? It makes you now see them in a little bit more expansive because all of a sudden you realize, well, yeah, it's true, but there's more to it, right? He's not just a jerk. He's a man. He's a person he's a you know there's more to it you know yeah and there might be something going on that we don't know about or whatever I also like Byron Katie saying we lie down we stand up we sit and all the rest is stories (laughs) she kind of boils it down to you know the basics (laughs) yeah so it's so funny because think about this um if somebody said oh Barb guess what I'm going to do a movie of your life right? A movie's just a story, isn't it? Yes. And they said, okay, Barb, you write the story Mm -hmm. and I'm going to write the story. Mm -hmm. Your your story would look very different than the story, but they're telling this, it's the same thing, right? But they're seeing perspective. Yeah. I was walking through the airport with my friend and coworker and I was looking at we're Atlanta, the busiest airport in the world again. And I was looking at all the screens that they have that have huge letters that tell you what gate is there and where that plane is going. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I love this airport because it's so easy for me to navigate through it. And as soon as I thought that, she turned to me and said, I hate this airport. We were having the exact same experience. And both of us were telling a different story about it. Right. There's not, neither story is right or wrong. She can hate the Atlanta airport all she wants. I, that it didn't bother me at all. It was just very, huh? That's interesting. I wonder but why. I, so I asked people, her why, and she said, "Oh, because you know." She gave me rattled off several reasons, and I thought, "Well, I can see that." I still choose to love the Atlanta airport because for me, those reasons don't apply. But for her, they do. It's very real for her. So I thought that was really interesting. And you let her have her story, let her keep her story. I think so many of us are trying to pull everybody into our story, (laughs) see it our way, get an agreement with us. I mean, that's kind of human nature. We kind of, you know, birds of a feather flock together. We want everybody to be thinking like us, seeing things the way we see things. And And that's only because we want to be comfortable. We don't like discomfort. And so, you know, I, well, I'm uncomfortable with her feeling like she hates the airport. 
There's no reason to change what she's thinking. It doesn't really matter if she wants to hate the airport, let her hate the airport. It doesn't matter. It's not affecting me one way or another. But because I'm uncomfortable with it, my first instinct as a human is to say, oh, but it's this and this and this and this. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I did we... that last night when we were talking about cars. What do you mean? When we were talking about Ford Escape. Yeah, I did it last night because you said, oh, well, they have these problems. And because I own one, I couldn't let them have those problems. So I had to yeah, I had to defend my car. <laughs> you did. You got very uncomfortable. And I noticed that. And I was just like, OK, understandable. I am it wasn't just... really uncomfortable. I was just, huh, my brother told me this. And do I want to keep the belief that it's a good car? Yeah. And I can choose whether or not to believe that. Right and now it's in the, in the shop getting some body work done. So right now it's a great car. <laughs> well, and it's kind of, it, it can be both. You can yeah. like the Atlanta airport. It can be easy for you and hard for her. It can sure. be both, right? It can be, yeah. it can be hard to navigate and, you know, your car could be great, but another car, that exact same car that somebody else bought six months before you might've had some of those issues that I had researched and heard about. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. It's both. It's not one or the other oftentimes. Right. Right. But we always want it to be just one or the other, you know, we, just, yeah, we do we allow more than one possibility that's different, you know, hmm, maybe but it's, it's actually kind of fun to carry two different beliefs at the same time to be happy that it's raining and sad that it's raining at the same time to love the Atlanta airport and hate the Atlanta airport. It's just interesting to like juggle those two beliefs and not have to settle on one just to be curious about them. That's one thing that, that coaching has done. It's made me be more curious about what I'm thinking. Oh, that's a huge thing for me. Like, um, you know, open me up to be curious about why people think the way they do, why they act the way they do. I mean, I've always been, that's been a topic of mine since I was a kid. You know, I've just yeah. always been fascinated with how people think, why they think, where they learned some of those thoughts, you know, how their yeah. culture has affected them, how their families have affected them, how their situations have affected them and helped them to, you know, come up with different thoughts and ways of doing things. I've always found that fascinating, you know. But People I are fascinating, aren't they? They are fascinating, <laughs> yeah. but I just want to change everybody, you know, like, yeah. it, it's like, you'll be happier if you believe this, you know, yes. you'll be better if you believe this. <laughs> and maybe sometimes they will, and maybe they won't. And I think it's much better to let people change themselves and just put out options for them to explore and let them see if that's something that they would benefit from, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So when we move into the next question, what changes have you seen in your clients as you've shown a light on their stories and beliefs? Well, it's kind of like with us, you know, my clients, once you start asking them questions and making them aware of their thinking and re and they, you know, they realize that their thoughts are choices, mm -hmm. right? That their thoughts are the first choice they have, you know, they, mm -hmm. when they feel stuck, you know, people say all the time, I'm stuck, I'm stuck. Well, the, you always have choices. And even if the choice is only to change a thought, that's where you start, right? Yeah. 
you know, that you're stuck, you're stuck. Okay. You can't move in a situation Well, you could move in your thoughts. You can at least do that, you know, into a more positive direction or to a more grateful direction or choose a thought that's, that makes you feel better or more optimistic. You can always choose a thought. And so Mm -hmm. I think once you start working with people, they start realizing that they have, it gives them their power back. It gives them their sense of control back. Like, wow, I might not be able to change everything, but I have control of this thing called my thoughts. And wow, look at what happens when I just tweak it a little bit, how much better I feel, how much different I show up for people and how things do change just by changing a thought. Yeah, it's such good news that we have that kind of control that nobody can make us feel a certain way or no situation can make us feel anything. We get to choose how we feel about it and we can choose to feel any way we want to. It's very freeing to have that understanding that I can choose to feel any way I want to about any given situation. And there's nothing wrong with feeling bad about them. We do try yeah. to minimize the bad. That's that's what our brain likes to do. But sometimes yeah. you just got to feel it. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes and I- you just got to embrace the joy too. Because sometimes we feel like, oh, well, I shouldn't be so happy because so-and-so isn't, you know, like um, I remember standing at my sister's funeral and I was giving the uh, eulogy, elegy. I don't, I don't remember which one. And I was standing there and I just felt this overwhelming joy. Hmm. It was the strangest thing to be mourning my sister and feeling the joy of having known her. It was just an incredible dichotomy. And now I understand that that beautiful that in the midst of that, that you could feel that, you know, that you could like you said, both, you, you'd allowed enough space to feel both the grief and the joy in one place. That's amazing. Yeah. It's the airport thing. The, the, yeah. I, the airport and I love the airport all in yeah. one. They were both allowed <laughs> to be there. There was enough space for you. And that's amazing that you were able to do that. Yeah. I think yeah. it was a gift. Beautiful I was gift. able to feel that at that, at that moment, because I'd felt such devastation and it was it was the complete opposite. It was, it was really a wonderful, wonderful experience. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So what is your biggest takeaway from this conversation? Hmm. That I could talk to you for another hour. (laughs) We could, we could. We know that. We know that. Um, my biggest takeaway, um, I don't know. I'm going to take that one. I'm going to take that, you know, beautiful image that you just, you know, that you were at that funeral and able to feel joy in the suff- in the suffering. Um, you were able to feel both. I just love that. It just, that's a beautiful thing to ponder. I don't know. I like that. That was, that hit for me. So yeah, I'm take that. that resonated with me. Yeah. How about you? When you were talking about the different stories and the different ways that people see stories, it really got me thinking, really resonated with me and how to shed light on, on people's stories that, that they're just sentences strung together. Yeah. And while so- I've, while I've thought about beliefs as being a, a thought that you just keep thinking, I hadn't thought about a belief as being a story sentences that run together because anytime I have 
a certain thought, um, let's say I hate the airport, then I'll find reasons to hate the airport. I'll look for those, those things. Or if I love the airport, then I look for those things. And that becomes those sentences strung together become my story. And I love that. I love that you, you brought that out. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I love the idea of like thinking back to the stories, like we learned how to do in school and dissecting them, just go back. And if we just start doing that more often, and you know, this is a conversation for another time, but the model is a great way to dissect your story. Yes, it is. What are the facts, you know, in a story facts? So what are the facts? What are the actual facts and circumstances, you know, Mm -hmm. what thoughts what are the actions you know and if you can digest your you can dissect your story like that then you can start really having change you know in your life and yeah when you can when you can put it into actual facts thank you brooke castillo for creating the model i think it's it's a great tool love to use it all the time (laughs) Yeah, it's a great one. So yeah, that's a, that's one you can talk to your uh, on your podcast about if you haven't already explained that. That's a great one. So I'm sure I you'll have not get in. Explained that yet? We'll explain that in an upcoming episode, or maybe I'll just take five episodes to explain every every uh, part of the model: circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, and results. That's how it's C T F A R. So keep listening. That'll yeah. come up in another episode. And let's talk again. So many things we could talk about. Love it, love it, love it. But, uh, you know, leave your listeners with one takeaway. I will just say, question your thoughts, pay attention to your thoughts, and really kind of start asking yourself, what is happiness? You know, what does it mean yeah. to me? And, you know, think about that sandcastle analogy and just remember, happiness is always there. The wind comes, the the rain blows the sandcastle down, but the sand is always there. So happiness is That's a huge takeaway is the sandcastle. The sand is always there. It's always available. Always. And you can always build another sandcastle. Even if it's one grain, just grab it, you know? Yeah. Sand is always there. Thank (laughs) you for that. You're welcome. All right. Well, there you have it. If something piqued your interest, feel free to join me at happytobemecoaching.com. That's happy, the number two, the letter B, M-E, coaching.com. I'll see you next time.